Good afternoon, my renegades. Welcome back to Rogue Radio. My name is Sarah Jane, and today we are going to be doing Persecution Press because I got myself a new magazine in front of me from Voice of the Martyrs. If you guys want a um, magazine, go to persecution.org and get yourself a free copy. Also, just wanted to shout out the Voice of the Fat Mantis. He's on YouTube, Instagram, and also Spotify Green Room. He involves his listeners. He's very funny, and please go check him out. All right. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, feel free to contact me on the links in the description below. Give it some time because the links are lazy. So, let's go. Why do persecutors destroy the Bibles? Let's see. Um, For those of you who don't know, um, a lot of foreign countries do not allow Bibles to be brought into their countries. And this article kind of explains why. So, the government of many nations have declared Bibles to be illegal, and since we, the apostles, must obey God rather than men, see Acts 5, 27-29, Uh, They treat us as criminals, smugglers, and dangerous contraband um, for bringing God's word to our Christian brothers and sisters uh, in restricted nations. Um, Likewise, terrorists and other militant groups view us as enemies as we risk our lives to replace Bibles they have destroyed to ensure that each Christian in a hostile area has a personal copy of the Bible. Mary Magdalene actually did this as well. She had to gather first-hand accounts and record them in order to help build the Bible. And uh, she had to cross dangerous borders, she had to be smuggled through borders in order to get to the disciples and get to the people that um, have encountered Jesus. And uh, man, and it's still happening right now. People are smuggling Bibles and trying to get it to people. Um, the Bible stands alone as the book in the world, as the one book in the world that groups and governments uh, spend enormous amount of time, money, and effort to eliminate. But why? The answer should encourage and excite us. Persecutors are convinced that God's word is powerful and effective. God has said that His word is truth, John seventeen seventeen, and the North Korean regime unwittingly provides um, corroborating testimony. For many years, we have watched the North Korean government spend, extend uh, significant resources in its um, attempts to block our Bible smuggling efforts. They know that the truth of God's word is by far the greatest uh, threat to exposing the lies they tell their people. God also has said that his word is like a weapon that defends false belief, Ephesians 6.17. And the Islamist Iranian regime unwittingly testifies to this truth. Iran's secret police fiercely opposes Bibles because they know each one is a weapon that no... The Quran, like all the other religious texts in the world, is powerless in the presence of the Bible. Um, Darkness and lies are no threat to the light and truth. Persecutors know that their oppressive ideologies 
are weaker than God's word, so we can expect their um, continued opposition to the Bible. But we have God's promise that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, Habakkuk 2.14. They cannot win, so the we joyfully continue to distribute Bibles no matter the difficulty or danger with all my heart. I believe the Lord will allow us to succeed in providing a Bible to every believer in a hostile area, restricted nation, and that will see it happen in this generation. Personally, I also believe that um, it's not just what Cole said in his article that he wrote. Um, you know, the Bible being a weapon and everything. I think it's also because certain um, main religions, like in India, Hinduism is the main religion. And I think they want to keep that... Um, they want to keep that prominent in India... They don't want other religions to die down because of the truth of the Word of God. Um, because, like I said, there's anti-conversion laws for any Christian. Um, they can't put Christian on their licenses at the moment. They haven't done that forever. Um, when I first learned about the anti-conversion laws in India, um, I was a sophomore in high school. And it's still going on today, and I'm 32 now. So... Um, it's, it's been a law for a very long time there, so um, it's not surprising. Speaking of India, we have a mob that disrupts the church service and burns down a family's home. In November 2021, a mob of Hindu extremists interrupted a Sunday morning church service in central India and began threatening the worshippers present. The mob was a reportedly composed of more than 50 members of the Hindu extremist group Vishwa Hindu Parshad, or the VHP, and um, offshoot of the prominent Hindu nationalist organization Rashtira Swayamvaksang, or the RSS. Um, both the VHP and the RSS seek to purify India by promenading Hinduism and eliminating Christians. That's, that's one of the main reasons in India, yes. They believe that if they purify Christianity, you know, with uh, e extreme Hinduism and, um, in, like, killing and all of that stuff, trying to purify India back to its original state of Hinduism, that somehow, you know, that's a great thing, but... Um, yes, consider traitors to the Hindu homeland in an effort to appease Hindu deities. Okay, so this is also, that goes along with their religious um, belief as well. Purify India, you please the gods. After interrupting the church service, the extremists called the police and made false accusations against the pastor, a common strategy of Hindu extremists in India in order to throw them off their trail. Um, the extremists also threatened to demolish the church building as police tried to 
uh, meditate the conflict, um, or mediate, sorry, um, a villager arrived to inform one Christian, a man named Kabir, that his home had been burned down. When Kabir was when Kabir, his four sons and their families, 23 family members in all, returned home, they found that their house and all of their recently harvested crops had been destroyed. Oh my god. I don't think a lot of us, especially in America, realize how like the how lucky we are. We're all, very lucky. You were very spoiled. But um the fact that their crops, not not just their home, but their crops, have burned down, their family can't get any money now. Like, they, they have to start from the ground up. They have to build their house again, which is going to cost money. They have to regrow their crops. They can't use the same area that they were growing their crops in because everybody, everything's charred, so they would have to dig deeper into the soil to get moist soil so that they can, um, you know, plant their seeds again in order to get some sort of income to sustain, you know, their home. So it wasn't just their home, it wasn't just their crops, their way of life was basically destroyed. The family who lived together in the house were without adequate housing and basic necessities like clothing and food. The attack on Kabir's home is thought to have been related to the disruption at the church as an act of retaliation against Kabir's faithful witness. After assessing the incident, it was a well-planned and co coordinated attack by the Hindu right-wing group, a frontline worker said. The family was uh, faithful for more than 15 years and actively involved in the ministry uh, in their church. Let's see. Voice of the Martyrs is assisting the family and providing basic needs. Yeah, no, like me and my husband said earlier, we are very spoiled in America. We have the freedom to believe in whatever we want to believe in. And yet, there's... Right yeah, exactly. But right we end up, like getting upset when the pastor doesn't shake our hand. When there's people in India whose way of life has just been destroyed. Well, because we're very... We're very spoiled because we took our freedom to the highest mark and there's no standard to our freedom now. So it's almost like we've been so free for so long that now we think we can do anything and anything. Goes. Yeah, we're entitled. We can treat anybody the way we want to be treated. Yep. We can do whatever we want to do. But I always felt like, even though we're a free country, I always felt like, why don't you put a standard on America? Like, and see how, how we react. If anything, it helped us grow, in my opinion. Hmm? Yeah. We couldn't buy Bibles or, like, go to to pray or do our church services or or like speak about God like how many Christians would just fold up and just like lose their faith and how many would like put it all on the line also I mean how resilient would we end up being if that happened as well well some wouldn't some wouldn't yeah, I guarantee exactly. there's, there's gonna be some that's gonna that's gonna 
some will just bend to the will. Yeah. And some will be persecuted. Alright. Christians in Laos often are persecuted most severely by their own family members, a reality faced recently by New Believers Fan and Yun. Um, the married couple who have two children were, uh, until recently, <laughs> living in Fan's parents' uh, home in a village that had no Christians. When Fan developed a chronic illness, he consulted a medical doctor and a witch doctor. Okay. Wow. No. No, thank you. When Fan developed chronic, he consulted medical doctors and a witch doctor. Okay, but found no relief from his illness. Yeah? Um, finally, his wife, Yun, decided to take him to her Christian's uh, relative's home village. While staying there, Fan and Yun heard the gospel and placed their faith in Christ. Shortly thereafter, Fan recovered from his illness and the couple returned home. That's when the persecution began. After learning of the couple's newfound faith, Fan and his parents, or Fan's parents and other relatives told him that his family would have to move out of the house unless they renounced their Christian faith. Since Fan was healed from his illness, the relatives reasoned he no longer needed Jesus Christ. Jesus is not a pill that you take. See, but that, but that's, that's that is their mentality because they've never seen a miracle our, before. It's our mentality too. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. It is. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Even myself, like it's just, it's, and you know what? Our American way of Christianity is so messed up because we've been told a lie by a lot of these pastors. You know, mm-hmm. too. That, that's a whole other topic. Mm-hmm. But Fan and Yun remained firm in their commitment to Christ. Fan's parents then chased him and his family from their home, forcing them to flee with only the clothes they were wearing. The family is currently staying with Yun's Christian relatives, and Voice of the Martyrs has connected with them and with local believers who are helping them while they rebuild their lives. Please pray for Fan's family, a frontline worker said. Their living situation is very difficult. Pray also for their Christians in Laos. And uh, like Fan and Yun, they are rejected by family because of their faith in Christ. Frontline workers in Lebanon are advancing the gospel through creative outreach events for Syrian refugee children. At a recent evangelistic sports day camp, 80 children from diverse backgrounds, including several Muslim children, heard the gospel proclaimed through Christian songs, teachings um, from God's word. Uh, Pray that the word would stay in their hearts and bring fruit, a frontline worker said. Um, along with the outreach events, Voice of the Martyrs has provided the children with backpacks um, containing school essentials and the Bible. In addition, frontline workers have engaged uh, some families in Bible study and discipleship groups, 
Uh, one family who had been attending Bible study uh, group has recently returned to Syria. The frontline workers intend to maintain contact with them as they readjust in their home country. The seeds of the gospel uh, continue to grow through the faithful witness of our Christian brothers and sisters in the Middle East. A pastor in Burkina Faso uh, who was displaced by Muslims is using the, his circumstances as an opportunity to share the gospel. Islamist um, attacks against Christians have risen sharply in Burkina Faso uh, since 2019, causing most Christians to leave the northern and eastern parts of the country. More than 200 churches in these areas have reportedly closed and as many as 10,000 Christians have fled their homes due to ongoing threats. Nearly 800,000 people in total have been displaced. Amid the suffering and chaos, however, the pastor is taking the opportunity to reach his displaced neighbors with the good news of Christ. Pastor Pierre had pastored a church in northern Burkina Faso since um, until 2019, uh, when Islamists overran his village as the attackers began their assault, villagers warned the pastor that he was in danger, so he had all of excuse me all of his church members fled to a nearby city for refuge. Life in the new city is now or was difficult for Pastor Pierre, but a local church uh, helped him with basic necessities and a fellow believer provided a low-rent home for him and his family. He is currently housing 16 others from the village in his home, and Voice of the Martyrs has provided the pastor with livestock to help him support his family and the other refugees. Voice of the Martyrs also have or gave Pastor Pierre an audio Bible which he is using to share the gospel with other displaced refugees in the city. Um, access to Bibles in local languages is, lim is limited in Burkina Faso, and distribution is difficult because of ongoing uh, security issues. They don't have anything to do, so they don't. So they want to listen to the Bible. Um, Pastor Pierre said, Many are giving their lives to Christ. Audio Bibles are an especially effective way to advancing the gospel in this hostile nation. As the literary or the literacy rate um, is less than 35% nationwide. So the majority of them can't read or write. Um, they are in great need of audio Bibles here in Burkina Faso, a frontline worker said. I see this as a rare opportunity to be able to get God's word to so many people that are looking for something in something different than what they are experiencing with the Islamic extremists. The choking smell and crackling sound of burning wood roused Don Lama from sleep late one night in 2020. 
As he jolted awake, he realized that his wood and stone house, tucked into Nepal's Himalayan uh, foothills, was on fire. Don Lama had uh, become a Christian five years earlier at the age of 65, and his decision to follow Christ had caused deep divisions in both his Buddhist family or Buddhist community and his family. Um, his wife, who left him and took their children with her, continued to agitate the villagers against him. They occasionally cursed him, threw stones at him, and threatened him. Don, but Don Lama persisted in his faith and even led several villagers to Christ. He eventually remarried and became the leader of a small house fellowship. I just have to say, house fellowships are where it's at, to be honest. Um, my husband and I were part of, you know, a house fellowship, and it's so much better than a church. And I love the fact that our brothers and sisters in Christ are doing the same thing. Not, not just because, it's mostly because it's dangerous to even have a church around those areas, but it's amazing that um, maybe at some point when Christian persecution comes to America, we still have house ministries that we can go to. That's amazing. Um, as persecution from villagers increased, Don Lama began 40, uh, a 40 day fast and pray for a direction. Um, that's G. He was about halfway through his fast when the villagers set his house ablaze. That's crazy. Fire? They set it on fire. They set his house on fire. When he was fasting? Yeah. He was about halfway through, so... About... When he realized what was happening that night in 2020, Don Lama rushed to get his family out of the house. Uh, standing a safe distance away from the burning structure, he remembered that he had left something essential behind, his Bible. He impulsively dashed back into the house to in search for it, but he was too late. His Bible was gone. And he had uh, suffered burns on his left side trying to rescue it from the flames. Uh, he later learned that the Buddhist uh, who had set fire uh, his house intended to kill him as he slept. Um, I don't know, I don't know everything about Buddhism, but isn't Buddhism supposed to be like, they, they make it look like it's a sort of peaceful religion to be in, but then there's Buddhist extremists out there that, that do stuff like this. The next morning, all that remained of Don Lama's home was a pile of stone and ash, and the crops he had stored to sustain his family through... The winter were ruined. After hearing about his situation, Voice of the Martyrs replaced his household items, including his Bible, and helped Don Lama rebuild his home. He rebuilt on the same spot and told frontline workers that he has forgiven those who had burned his house. Islam is making inroads by force 
and allurement across much of the African continent. Well, people got some loud cars in the background. <laughs> Frontline workers uh, are therefore distributing Bibles specifically in areas where um, Islam is growing in order to help Christians remain strong in their faith. So basically, uh, the radical Islam groups that are in Africa at the moment, um, it's gotten so bad to the point where they're people who are smuggling Bibles and um, everything like that, they have to uh, go through these very rural dirt roads in order to get to where they need to go. So, um, in a predominantly Muslim and uh, animist part of rural Liberia, um, a frontline worker traveled throughout the region by motorbike, taking Bibles to villages that had none. Um, the trip to deliver almost a hundred Bibles to small villages deep in the bush uh, was to take approximately two and a half hours, he said. It took eight hours. We broke down, had a flat tire, got stuck in the mud, and uh, had to carry all three motorcycles across the river. Uh-huh. Uh, that was neck deep. Oh my god. Can you imagine, like, the fear that they probably had trying to cross that river with all those snakes and crocodiles in it? Y'all, you guys, badass. I'm sorry, but that that's my word to describe anybody who's really tough. That's incredible. Um, when we reached the village, uh, several of the surrounding villages had come together for the weekend. They had uh, erected a large shelter made of palm branches for their church. It was pretty dark, <laughs> with just three low uh, watt bulbs Okay, um, running on a small generator illuminating the church, but I would say approximately 100 people came to praise and worship Jesus Christ. That's beautiful. It was worth it. <laughs> the best part was to be able to deliver these Bibles to Christians who did not have a Bible and no way to get one. All of the pastors in the area had a Bible, but only, uh, but very few church members had them. Many of their members would like to have a Bible, but you can't even buy a Bible here. In order, or in other areas where the frontline worker visited, even pastors needed Bibles, and the frontline worker was able to bless them with study Bibles. I just want to study the Bible all of the time, one pastor told him. Christian leaders uh, estimated a needed 10,000 print Bibles and 800 audio Bibles in the region, as some Christians in remote areas are unable to read. Like, even as Christians, we're spoiled. How many, how many Bibles have we gone through? People are just thankful just to get a print of the Bible. And some of them can't even read. Yeah. We don't, yeah. 
you never know what you got until it's gone, basically. And these people never had it, so this is just, it's like gold to them at the moment. I think it's time for y'all to have a break. Eat something, drink something, relax. All of that. In Pakistan, Christians are regulated um, to the lowest status in society. They have the worst jobs, have little opportunity for education, and are con- at continual risk of harassment by Muslim co-workers. Um, and the children in Christian families are affected no less uh, than their parents. My father is a laborer, said Kanwal, a 7th grade girl in Pakistani village. Uh, he works in the fields or sometimes is a helper to the masons, um, and on some days, uh, he has no work. My mother works as a servant in rich people's homes. My parents are poor and they cannot buy me books to read. I always used to get books from other kids. Frontline workers recently gave Kanwal Um, a children's Bible in the Urdu language. I love reading the children's Bible every day before sleeping, she said. Aww. I love this child. That's amazing. You know, you know, I feel like the lack of love, like, for Christ in America, I feel like it's perpetuated by churches sometimes. You ever thought of that? It's watered-down gospel. Give me money so you can be blessed. Um, oh, yeah. And it's, Jesus cause loves the, you. Because the foundation is based on the lie. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's, it's, false, it, it's, false, it's the false blessing. It's not, it's not the real thing. Right. And it's, know, we, we've been taught that money, cars, luxuries, that, that's when you're blessed instead of, like, health and, like, a the book. right mind and the sound mind and, like, you're so prospering, like, it's different. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, uh, Frontline workers uh, recently gave Conwalla children's Bible. Okay. Um, I also read stories from the Bible to my parents, and they are very happy. I pray that all kids in my country get this Bible so that they can read about Jesus. Oh my God, she breaks my heart. I love this child. Conwall will grow up. Uh, knowing that she is loved and valued by her creator, even though the society around her tells her that she is worth nothing. Her Bible will also prepare her for the persecution she is likely to face as a follower of Christ. That's crazy. Nations where God's word is illegal, Bibles must be smuggled or printed covertly, and that often comes at a great price. After a Christian brother in the Middle East was killed for smuggling Bibles into a village, his wife decided to avenge his death by continuing his work. Um, She said her parents went to the village and distributed 1,500 New Testaments, hoping 
everyone in the village would become followers of Christ. That, I'm sorry, I don't know why, that just makes me excited. Is that wrong for me to be excited? It makes me excited too. <laughs> I just love that. Like, God's word just keeps pushing. It just shows that we believe in missionaries. I, I want to do that mission work. That was my dream like at 16. It's like... Same. I want to be a missionary. I don't care about all this stuff here. Good God. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's see. <laughs> Hoping everyone in the village would become followers of Christ. She got revenge for her husband's physical death by offering eternal life, a frontline worker said. Um, that's how you get revenge. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's so cool. An occasion, or on occasion, uh, Bible smuggling also has evangelistic effects beyond what is expected. In the Middle East, a non Christian man helping smuggling Bibles across a border, pulled a copy from one of the boxes and began reading it. Um, as the smugglers walked in, the man could not stop asking the believers questions. A few weeks after delivering the precious cargo to Christians inside uh, the closed country, the Bible smuggler placed his faith in Christ. Voice of the Martyrs uses a variety of methods to get scripture into highly restricted countries like Iran, uh, where believers have arrested, imprisoned, and have been, sorry, have been uh, arrested, imprisoned, and ultimately forced out of the country. One of the families, one family's hunger for God's word has no, uh, or was so great, I'm sorry, was so great, they listened to a Christian radio station every day and wrote down the Bible verses in a notebook to create their own collection of scripture. Their uh, favorite verse is Psalm 23, 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. Ethiopia is considered a majority Christian country, but many traditional Christians have long relied on their leaders for access to scripture. Um, and Christians in Bible-based churches, which are now growing in the region, are in great need of Bibles. Often, they simply lack the financial resources to purchase one. When frontline workers visited a large church in, a central, in central Ethiopia, and asked the congregation how many of them needed a Bible, most of them raised their hands. God's word is essential um, in this country where biblical uh, Christians are a distinct minority harassed by traditional Christians on one side and violently persecuted by radical Muslims on the other. So they're attacked on both sides wow. by their brothers and their enemies. That's crazy. Frontline workers say fewer than 10% of Biblical Christians own their own Bibles. Uh, one new believer living in the area, especially resistant to the Gospel, said that uh, he and other 19 members of the church uh, have had to share a single Bible. Uh, because we live in a rural area far from each other, um, he said, we cannot come to church daily to take turns to read the Bible. So church 
So the church planter passed um, the one Bible around um, <laughs> that each member of the church could take a turn to read the Bible at home. Wow. So a whole church basically shared one Bible. That's in, that's in, that's incredible. Um, let's see, we returned the Bible on Fridays so that the church planter could prepare his teaching for Sunday. Um, last year, as our, this believer and the other families in this church received their own copies of the Bible in their native Oromo language, so... The church no longer needs to rotate a single copy. The church planter said the church is or has grown to 89 people and that has seen a change in the believers since they have begun to read the Bible. Okay, let's see. This one comes from Colombia. After traveling many hours by car into the uh, deep into the jungle, a ministry team carrying Bibles transferred their supplies to motorcycles and rode their motorcycles for 20 minutes before reaching a river. They then loaded the motorcycles, Bibles, and supplies into a ferry uh, for a upriver trip for about two hours. Um, after leaving the ferry, they rode their packed motorcycles as far as they can. Uh, before transferring their loads uh, to mules. Eventually, the Bibles reached their destination, a single church in the heart of the jungle where 30 pastors had gathered to receive Bibles from other or from their local churches. So, the process that goes into... Um, Delivering at least one box or even one Bible to churches is insane. That's like a day trip into the jungle, up the mountains, just in order to give pastors the Bibles that they need. This one is from North Korea. Um, when Bayang Wu traveled from his home in North Korea to visit relatives in China. The relatives invited him to read the Bible. Out of curiosity um, and desire to appease his family, he agreed to read some passages. His interest in the Bible grew, and when he returned home, he told his wife how the Bible um, he had read in China had moved him. His wife wanted to know more, so he eventually went back to China to smuggle a Bible and into North Korea. Which is very, very hard. Because Kim Jong-un does not like Christians. I remember there was a, uh, one, there was an issue of Voice of the Martyrs a long time ago, I wish I still had it, of Kim Jong-un saying, Christianity is a virus that needs to be snuffed out. So, he does not like Christians. And the the laws that they have in North Korea is insane. Um, mm -mm. That is very hard to do. 
After returning home with the Bible, he gathered some relatives and told them about Jesus and he had come to know through the scriptures. Iran, after Kurdish, after a Kurdish fighter received a Bible in the micro S, on a micro SD card, um, he gave the card to his general who requested a thousand more memory cards for his troops because um, he felt peace listening to God's word. Since those Bibles were distributed, uh, frontline workers have been able to make weekly visits to the men to further explain the Bible, and some of the fighters uh, have come to know God. That's incredible. Let's see here. We did Ethiopia. Okay, yeah, wow. Thank you all for listening, and I will see you in the trenches next time. Bye-bye.